This is Weekly Comics Spotlight 302 for comics originally released on May 22nd, 2013. Now, starting us off in DC is going to be the green team number one, the Teen Trillionaires. But before we talk about that, Drew, I had picked this up, and it, from what you were just saying, it looks like you were able to too, which I think is really cool. Let's talk about first issue special number two from 1975. Yeah. Which features the green team, boy millionaires. Yes. It's almost like they're related. <laughs> almost. I, uh, I'll uh i admit, I was a little skeptical when the whole green team was announced with the whole, the movement, the 99%, the 1%, all that kind of stuff. But it's like, okay, I'll give it a shot. When I realized it was based on the first issue special, I went to mycomicshop.com and, and ordered a copy. I don't remember how much I paid, but it sounds like you got a much better deal than I did. Ah, uh, dollar bin special. That's Lucky. cool. Found it on Wednesday. I mean... Just happenstance, and there was another copy there. It was the it was one of two. Wow. Yeah. Well, actually, having read it, I'm not that surprised. <laughs> um, this, oh gosh, this was this was dated. It. I felt like it was a forced setup for the team, and the fact they've been barely seen since, I'm I'm very okay with. Yeah, I saw this was a um, this was a one one shot basically, and two issues that were uh, what scrapped. Didn't never never actually get were published the the two follow up issues. I think they were part of the DC implosion of the yeah. time. Um, what I found interesting was just I mean this was done in 1975. The world has changed a lot since then, and more than just you know hey we have cell phones and stuff now. The whole bit with the the shoeshine boy taking the service elevator up to work in the millionaires club. It was racist, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> um, yeah, it was Abdul tough. Smith. Um, it. it there was an aspect of this. These were not characters. They were caricatures. Oh, yeah. And it felt like Richie Rich meets G.I. Joe. You've got the Commodore. He's got, like, a sailing ship or something. J.P. Houston, the oil magnate. Cecil Sunbeam, the star maker. It's like, okay, we've got transportation. We've got uh, energy, power, whatever. we got entertainment. Uh, these kids were, how old would you say? Uh, ten, maybe. That seems well, reasonable. I, no, no, no more than fourteen tops, and even that's, I think, being wildly generous. Um, I I read through this, and what got me was, and maybe you had a different feel. Whenever they would get to the page where they would introduce one of the characters, yeah, a, yeah, it, it had almost not a who's who kind of a feel to it, but almost. It's like this is the the movie poster introduction for the character. Yeah, they had. I think they had grand aspirations for what this um, comic was going to be. This was just the beginning. This was the tip of the iceberg, and they really laid it on thick with the action uniform text page at the end, uh-huh. and um, you know the, all the adventures, the, the issue upon issue, hundreds of issues of adventures that were going to follow. Um, they were really setting this up for a long-term run that never materialized. I love the concept of parallel worlds, and what I love about it is, you know, in theory, if you buy into that concept, somewhere there was a reality in which it did go for a hundred issues. <laughs> yeah, if there's an infinite number of universes. <laughs> That's right next to the one where the monkeys did indeed type Shakespeare. And do not get me started on the uh, Great American Pleasure House. Wait, what was it called? Wait a minute. Oh, I think that was Pleasure it. Machine. The Great Pleasure American Machine. Pleasure Machine. Yes. My Man, goodness. DC's got a wide library, but after reading this, I'm thinking, and now I'm going to go read the current version? Good lord, what did I get myself into? To me, this this first one, a low two out of five at best. The, part- the, one, thing I, the one thing about this first one mm-hmm. that I could see that I didn't see in the current one is the, it's like, it's very youngish, built for a young crowd, and I can see a I could see a little kid devouring this and wanting to go on adventures with these kids. That's uh, true. A and very given, young kid. And given the time it was done, that made sense. Yeah. But that, to me, is part of why it felt like a Richie Rich meets G.I. Joe. Yeah. Because you you had the age and the money of Richie Rich, and you had the almost uh, caricature-ish uh, division, you know, divisions or, or identities or whatever that you might find in a bad G.I. Joe kind of a thing. 
And I loved Ab- Abdul's uh, bank error in his favor. That <laughs> he deposits five dollars, they <laughs> screw up, give him half a million. He flips which... that half a million into a million. Then they take that no to a million five. Yeah, triples his money. Then they re- <laughs> then they re- realize their mistake, take that half a mil back. But he still got the million he needs. It's awesome. And I'm not sure how quickly he flipped that or tripled that money, but it's about like, two okay. panels. Yeah, <laughs> two panels. That's all it took. This is part of why the mid '70s is like a dividing line for me, because after this, you get closer to more modern storytelling, not as decompressed, but more done in one, more in the moment type stories, if you will. Whereas this was more of a slideshow kind of a thing. Where you get a panel, up, oh, they did a bank error. Another panel later, up, oh, he decided to flip the money, up, oh, he lost half of it, or the half a million back to the bank. But And it's like you're getting the highlight reel. Yeah. yeah I mean, the best part of this book was the, um, the ads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I picked it up, because it, it yeah. gave me a really good context to go into our actual DC pick of the week of the, the new green team, or the green team, Team Trillionaires. Yes, because it's a little bit better. It's a lot better, but it was a low bar. Yeah. yeah. Um, Just add a zero or two. What was interesting is this is essentially, with one exception, the exact same team, but kind of modernized. Mm-hmm. Instead of Abdul, you have Muhammad. Uh, of course. And instead of him being a shoeshine boy, he's a, a prince of, I forget what country. Yeah, like Qatar or something like that. Yeah. But an actual rich kid. Mm-hmm. And treated seriously. He was not. These were characters, not caricatures, which I appreciated. You know, we still had Commodore Murphy. We now you mean have Commodore sixty four Murphy. Oh yeah, Commodore sixty four, because <laughs> he's going to inherit sixty four trillion dollars. Yes, yeah. and a, a little wink, wink, for all Which us makes old it dated, gamers. Yeah, it makes it dated in a whole other way. Yes, Cecilia Sunbeam being an uh, uh, both a girl and an actress versus uh, Cecil Sunbeam, who was a boy yet movie director. Uh, actually, she made a lot more sense in the current age. Yes. Where you've got the the Lindsay Lohans, the Selena Gomez's, the little teen starlet type stuff. Um, so her character, just by nature of it's more believable, her hanging out with Mur- uh, Commodore Murphy makes more sense um, versus everyone flying in with their private helicopters or whatever in the original, which was a little wild. Um, what was your take? And, and, you know, I don't have any problems, with, but I thought it was interesting with the change they made to J.P. Houston. Instead of being a, a caricature, uh, you know, white Texan or whatever, he's now Hispanic. At least that's what I read him to be. He's, he's still an oil magnet, though, right? Still oil, but I think they're trying to get this to be, I don't say more ethnically, di- well, more e- ethnically diverse or whatever, but something that isn't just a couple of rich white guys. Yeah, yeah, it, it's much better than the 70s, all white guys and a token minority, you yeah. um, yeah, I it, it was <laughs> it was it was interesting. I mean, uh I, I don't I don't I guess the diversity out, outlook I didn't really look at it like that. Um I, I assumed that's what they were going for and I just glossed over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You punched those cards. Let's move on. Tell a story. What I liked is this these characters I'm going to say were college age, so about 20 or so, about twice as old as before. Okay. Um it made it a bit more believable in some senses. The whole concept of the quasi-impromptu pop-up technology expos like raves or whatever was was interesting. You know, why Murphy was holding these kind of sort of made sense. You kind of got to just roll with it, though. Yeah. I would think there would be in a 17 to 19 range. That's fair. Wouldn't they? Somewhere in that. I mean, mm-hmm. well, I mean, to me, more college age, young college age, you know, uh, out, almost out of high school or out of high school type thing versus... Are they have they made it to junior high yet? I mean, noticeably older than than before. Yes, yes, significantly older than before. You know, um, there was nothing in this issue other than the fact that these characters were DC characters technically that rooted this in the DC universe. No, and I don't really have any problem with that. But for a new Fifty Two title, I found that odd. Not good, not bad, but. I'm wondering how this would have done had it been literally the exact same thing, maybe change a name or two uh, for these characters since, again, DC owns them, if it had been like a, an image title. Uh, more Boom Studio, maybe? I could see that. I could see that. 
you know, or maybe Dark Horse. I think there are other publishers that could have done this sort of a thing. I think most of them were smart enough not to. Well, where the uh, original had the the uh, Abdul's tripling his his half a million in leap of faith that you had to take. Uh, this this issue, this current issue, has the internet-powered car uh, leap of faith that one has to take when they come across that little little nugget, and you have to buy into that, that possibility that it's could be powered on social media posts. <laughs> what do you I think of that? I didn't think that so much as a leap of faith, so much as you've got people pitching literally crackpot crazy ideas. And, again, the fact that it's set in the DC universe makes that a little bit more believable. Not that I think, well, I guess we were meant to believe it nonetheless. It It's no crazier than some of the stuff I've seen in other uh, super science, you know, sci-fi type stuff out of, you know, Image or some of the other publishers. It was at least fun the way they explored it and kind of the ramifications of, gee, you know, if the paparazzi follows you around, it can power your car, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was hilarious. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> You know, it gave the book a certain character, which I enjoyed. Um, this is not a title I think is likely to be around this time next year. <laughs> no, no, I would be surprised if it makes it to the seven or eight issue mark. Um, if it does, I'm curious where they go with it. I mean, it's what I'm liking about it is it's entertaining and it's different. It doesn't just blur in with the rest of the new Fifty Two. It's, um, I think it could slip into the all ages title, um, group that DC has, you know, put that mm-hmm. with, with the rest of their stuff and replace, what, what did they just cancel Superman family or something? I don't think they'd put it in kind of the Johnny DC or what had been the Johnny DC line. Um, I think it's, it's firmly in the new 52, but I do think it's going to mean, I would hope, particularly with the uh, the creative team of uh, Art Balazar and uh, Franco and stuff, that it will continue to be an all-ages appropriate book. And I think that's something that is uh, they need more of. Yeah. I mean, good luck. I, I hope they find a foothold. It shan't be with me. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like the Commodore 64 uh, aspect? Uh... <laughs> no. No, the the whole uh, hashtag green team, social media, shout out to, it wasn't Instagram, but it was some kind of Instagram-ish type of uh, social media that he was on in the beginning, and mm-hmm. uh, I, just took me out of it, and and then, you know, he he instantly gets, he instantly gets a nickname, he's Mo, he's not Muhammad, he's Mo, and everybody's got cute little nicknames, and oh god, uh, it's a two at best for me. <laughs> I, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I actually, I, I actually appreciated the simplicity of the original one a little bit better. Really? I did. I did. I could see that it's, you know, that it, it was going straight for young kids and trying to give them a sense of adventure, and and also not for me, not my bag. But it was, it was a two also. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm expecting a lot of people are gonna gloss over this on the racks, not even pick it up. I think those who do pick it up are likely going to kind of fall in the same camp you do of uh, almost what were they thinking. Um, for me, I'm going to go with the three, and it almost edged into the four. It's different. Wow. It was well executed in terms of it covered a lot of ground. We got to know these characters. I don't think it's going to find the foothold in the market. I don't think it's going to be around long. I'm curious where it's going to go. Um, and I do think there is a audience that this would serve that none of the other new 52 titles really might, but how big that audience is and whether they're really looking for anything out of the new 52 is, is the question. Was this not, uh, I'm thinking back to the previews catalog with, was this not marketed as a companion piece to the movement? Yes, it was. It was the 1% to their 99%. And I, I didn't read the movement yet, um, but I can't imagine it is a companion piece. Oh, it, it, story-wise, it's completely unrelated, but I think they were not doing them as kind of joined titles like uh, the Green Lantern titles or some of that stuff, but more thematically counterpoint, if you will. Just marketed that way. Yeah, and Don't I think... Don't buy mar- one, buy both of them. Yeah, and I think the marketing hurt both of them. 
because when they did that marketing of the 99% to 1%, that whole thing had played out in society a year earlier, um, and I think it tainted both titles. Yeah. Um, and frankly, I don't think either one really has the content to, to overcome that. Well, frankly, even if either even if they didn't have that taint, I don't think either one's something that's going to click with today's audience. And I, I, I can't. I'm trying to imagine the demographic that's going to love the Green Team, and and that's going to be their go-to book. And I cannot. I can't. I can't picture that person. Young teens in an upper middle class uh, realm who would like to buy their way to adventure and popularity. Tween children of privilege? Yeah. Maybe? Okay. Now, do any of those read comics? <laughs> they have them know. read to them by the staff. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. This is going to be fun to, to follow the sales of and just where it goes. Um, because, uh, again, DC's got a really huge library. Uh, having, you know, again, just read and talked about the, the first issue special that originated the concept, they made some definite improvement to it, but... Why did they bother? I mean, this is one comic that made it onto the racks. One from 1975. And they, for them to reach back and pluck this one from obscurity and say, oh yeah, here's, we have a hit on our hands here, fellas. I just, I, it's amazing that, I mean, that they even found it or remembered that, that it was ever produced. It's, they got uh, some trivia mavens lying around, and I don't yeah. think they thought they had a hit on their hands, but, you know, again, could they do a new take on it that might work? Um, and, you know, I think part of their, their plan at DC is you're going to do a couple of things that are surefire hits, the Justice League of America type stuff, the Justice League itself, yeah. and then you've got to do a couple of things that are such major risks that if they pan out, they pan, could pan out big. For and, me, they're they're feeding the churn. You know, they are canceling so many titles a month or every every so often and, and sending out a new wave of stuff to fill that void. And I think a couple of the titles that they stick in there are just cannon fodder. And they're they're just going to throw it out there and say, you know, there's a chance. There's a chance this will stick. Let's just see. We need to we need something. We need something that's in that slot. So let's let's see what happens. I agree and disagree. I think they're taking a chance. I don't think they're seeing it as cannon fodder. I see it more as an acknowledgement of they're not really sure what will work and that there have been some surprise hits here and there, that they're going to try some stuff that's that's a long shot. Not so much as cannon fodder, but the hope of catching lightning in the bottle. Now, the end result of what you were saying and what I was saying, the same titles are getting out there. <laughs> it's still the same stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm just thinking... Um, were I in their position, I would do a couple of things that are surefire hits. I would do a couple of things that if somebody was passionate about and thought they had a good take on and didn't seem like it was a complete, you know, turd on the face of it, give it a chance. Not much of a chance. Again, this is Green Team, if it makes it past issue 8, will be surprising. Same with the movement. But DC has had about 60% of the new 52 lineup from the beginning is still being published. Yes. So two years in this market, sixty percent retention rate of titles. We talking wave one and two, or just one? Just one. Just one. I mean, that's that's not too. That's bad. That's not too bad. No, no. But that same forty percent <laughs> has been churned. That's it's, true. I should seems. do a, a uh, what's the turnover on the other side? How many titles yeah. have we had? Yeah, that's a that's a very fair point. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, I like the idea that they're. Throwing things on the wall and seeing if they stick. You know, I like that idea. Keep trying it. Mm -hmm. This isn't it. No, no. But again, fun to try. And for the eight issues uh, or however many it lasts, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm curious what they got in mind. Yeah. Um, well, so. I think in the the two failed episodes or issues of the original series that uh, were not quite completed, they. Um, were pitted the boys the green team boys were pitted against giant lobsters and the russian navy so we'll Win -win. see how they yeah the commodore will have stuff to do <laughs> we'll see what happens with this this iteration at the very least i hope they go for a big lobster dinner at some point to reference <laughs> the other story yes we need a little wink back to that That's funny shall we move on to our marvel book sure 
Superior Spider-Man number 10. This now, how much have you read of Spider-Man? Um, I loved loved Amazing Spider-Man, um, but but took a break uh, in the 90s. Okay. The 2000s. <laughs> and uh, I got back into it, um, you know, around Superior, the, the end of Amazing and, and the, the beginning of Superior, and have been loving it. Cool. So this was, a, you actually were brought back into the Spider-Man stuff with that change. Yes. yes. It didn't alienate me. It didn't That's make cool. me want to kill Dan Slott. I, I will admit, some of the stuff he's been doing, um, and I, I suppose I'm an atypical Spider-Man reader. I've been reading it since Secret Wars. He got the black costume and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Never stopped. I liked the Clone Saga. The, you know, not the first two back, way back. That was before I was reading off the rack. But when it came back and lasted forever and a day, it lasted too long, but it very much had an anything-can-go mindset to it. And I'm loving this title because it's just such a different take on Spider-Man for so many reasons. Yeah. I, I, I don't want this to last forever, but man, it's a fun ride. Yeah, you go go for a little while. I'm, I'm, I'm there. It's gone longer than I thought it could have almost already. And I like that the old, quote-unquote, rules, you know, whatever you would interpret them to be of how Peter acts and all that stuff, they just don't apply. And it gives this title a freedom that it really needs, and it's allowed Slot to really shake things up. But what I'm loving is he's doing it in a very believable or maybe buyable manner is the better way to phrase it. Things seem to evolve in a logical progression, with each one kind of building off the past event and flowing naturally. It's not like he's done just wild left turns, right turns, and, oh, everything's different, haha. You know, he's he's building to some stuff. And this issue in particular, this has been my favorite issue of the of the ten. Mm-hmm. Um, this is definitely a five out of five for me. And I think it, in Dan Slott's heart of hearts that this is what he wanted number one to be, almost. He didn't want to have to have Peter Parker in it already, and the ghost of Peter Parker. I think he, I think maybe he had pressure. That they're, the fans are going crazy. Let's give them something to hold on to. That hey, Peter's not really gone. Include them in right away. That there's an end game where Peter can get back in there. And then, but with this issue in particular, it was just unbridled Otto as Superior Spider-Man, and I found it. I, I found it so much more uh, of a, of an enjoyable read that way. What I liked is not only was it just this is the superior Spider-Man, you know, uh, 100%, but there was some setup, there's been some progression, there's been some payoff. And in this issue, just for a number of different plot lines, but a single plot element in particular, which I think is going to have more payoff later, and it's just, it's moving forward, it's telling stories. There was a lot in this issue. Oh, this was packed full of stuff, yes. And I could see where they could have started with this sort of a thing as the first issue. But by doing the story arc they did and the, oh, well, Peter's not really gone type thing, mm-hmm. they they if they didn't do that, we'd have spent these issues thinking, well, he's going to come back this way or whatever. But having already dashed that hope, yeah, I mean, it, it makes this even more powerful. Are folks going to jump off at this point, do you think? The diehard Peter Parker... Um, traditionalists? I think they jumped off... Uh, well, you don't no, think they were even around? No, I, I think they jumped off at the start of Superior. And I can understand that mindset. I think anytime people jump off a title, oh, it's changing creators, it's going to suck, I'm getting off. Or, you know, it's changed titles, it's rebooted, oh, that's a cheap sales gimmick, I'm getting off. And I'm not saying those are bad reasons to get off. I'm saying... <laughs> well, I mean, I, I like to give stuff a chance. I like to see where they're going. And if you're closed-minded and not even willing to... If you're judging the book before you've had a chance to, to read it, much less before it's come out, that, that that doesn't make sense. Right. Now, I could see some people having been really cheesed off by what Dan Slott did in those last couple issues of Spider-Man. But it got people talking, it got people interested, and it put Spider-Man kind of back on the map, if you will, conversationally. I mean, I have no idea what the end game is for this whole... You know, Otto as 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 Spider Man. No, and I, and I thought I had it figured out. I, I, I thought, thought well, a few times I, I did. 
I know what he's going to do. You know, I'm smarter than the average reader, and so I know what he's going to do. Not everybody else does, but I do. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he zigged when I thought he was going to zag. Or I th- I saw a zig coming, so I thought he was going to zag. No, he zigged. <laughs> he's... That was too obvious. He'd never wait. He did. He did. He double zigged. Yeah, he's he's he knows where our minds are going because he's pushing them in certain directions. He's toying with us, but in an incredibly entertaining way, in an incredibly fair play way. You know, he set up some of the things in this issue, not explicitly, but they seem like logical extensions of what has happened before. If Otto does this, well, then why wouldn't somebody do that? You know, and I like how there is almost a premeditated aspect of this, and it's not just Peter fighting whoever broke out of jail this week. You know, although that can be fun, too. Um, and, you I, know, we've had 700 issues of Spider-Man, and you would think they would run out of, of things to say. But still, there are layers here of Otto's appreciation for what Peter has mm-hmm. and his relationship with his family that he never had and friends and relationships and it, and it, the way he, you know, the way it, it touches him and, and changes him a little bit. It's it's a subtle nuance that you know I I didn't see I didn't see coming. Yeah. Well, it gives us a completely different perspective on Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And what I'm loving about this is not only are they telling good stories right now, but this is going to be some amazing setup for the eventual return of Peter Parker as the Amazing Spider-Man. And and who are you going to root for? I mean, yeah, I I am I have this affection for Otto that uh, you know, I'm starting to just root for the guy, and it's you know I I know the inevitable will, will come, but my goodness, it's it's amazing what the storytelling has done. Yeah, well, and it sets Peter up for certain ways he's got to live up to expectations, and others he's got to live down expectations. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's it's telling a great story that sets up the potential for other great stories. To me, that's just a win-win. So, I mean, I've got to agree with you on the five out of five. Slot is knocking it out of the park in this title and uh, has been for, you know, the last year or so, minimum. Um, it's just incredible. Or superior, if you will. <laughs> it is. Amazing, even. Um, that, too. And and now, with Avenging, Avenging is winding down and is going to be replaced by Superior Team-Up. Is that I correct? believe so. Okay. And then... The rest of the Superior Month, we're going to get a net gain of, of of Superior Spider-Man, though, correct? Um, I believe so. I'd have to double-check the solicits. I know we were getting Superior Carnage, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, uh, a superior number of Superior titles. Um, I don't know how many we're going to wind up at the end. I haven't been counting. I'm getting them all anyways. So. Yeah, yeah, okay. But, I mean, it, they're, they're doing some good stuff. I hope they have a good... Uh, exit strategy for this into the next era, whenever that may be, and I'm in no rush for that. You know, they should tell the stories this way as long as they've got the stories to tell, and clearly they do. Well, the the conventional wisdom from the the comic experts in, in the internet land is that there's a, there's going to be a number that they're shooting for, and it's, you know, if it's two a month and it's a year, or it's uh, 50 issues or something like that, but I don't think I don't think they're, I don't think you can pin him down. I really don't. I think this could go on as long as as long as he'd like. Certainly, I think they could do it through, you know, to what would be Amazing Spider-Man 750 or something like that. I do think a round number is likely to be when they flip it back. But, you know, I, I to me, I could see a couple of different arcs that they had to play through before it made sense to flip it back. Some of which they're doing in this title, some of which they're going to do in one or two other titles. You see them flipping the numbering back? At some think, point. Really? Well... You know, given the letter column in, in Fantastic Four in FF uh, last month or whatever, where they were saying they're actually moving more towards almost an annual flip of the numbers, maybe not. That's what I, I think. They're I think they've left it behind, and there might be the seven ninety nine book dollar book that celebrates the anniversary issue, and you know the the detective that was that nine hundred the detective yeah, nine hundred yeah. and the. And and of course, uh, Spider Man seven hundred. DC though, with the the new fifty two, I think is a special case in different rules. It was they could not have flipped that back. 
Uh, for Marvel, though, they have gone flipping in both directions so many times. <laughs> they're going to do whatever they can to get the sales bump. Yeah. Um, which I think is short-sighted. They should be selling on content, not cover number, but so be it. I, I can't imagine them never flipping back the numbering. That just seems hard to hard to buy. But yeah. yeah. Future will tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think of uh, the the secondary love story with Otto and his tutor, Anna? It's actually kind of fun. I like it, too. I didn't think I would, but I really do. And that's going to be one of those things that if and when Peter comes back, how could you treat me this way? Why did you dump me? You know, yada, yada. There's a, there's a lot of emotional angst that that can build up after the fact. Yeah. Um, and it's just fun to see, again, a radically different approach to uh, the lives of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. I'm assuming uh, both both that the t- next trade will be out pretty soon, so they'll have two trades out to get people Sounds caught reasonable. up. I don't know. I haven't really uh, tracked when the trades are getting released. Yeah, it's, Marvel's a little faster on the trigger with those. Oh, much. And with the, the you know speed with which they're releasing material, they're getting the trades out fast for like the, the Marvel Now titles and stuff. But I could whole, wholeheartedly recommend picking those those trades up and getting caught up and coming along for the ride on this superior run for sure. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth checking out if you're a, a Spider-Man fan of any sort unless you have an absolute pathological hatred for Doc Ock and even then it's a different enough take on him. So Yeah, he's evolving and growing and changing. I think it's I really think it's a great story arc. Well, and that's where the new girlfriend really helps out is it's it's showing the softer side of him. You know, it's it's showing him as having the potential to care for people not just being you know, the cold-hearted, you know, villain or what have you. Definitely recommended. Uh, really good stuff. Slots just doing amazing work. Oh, one more thing. Um, they've kind of been flipping back and forth on the art, and I, I really haven't noticed. Uh, did, did you find it any jarring at all when they when they changed the artists back and forth? No, not really. Yeah, I think that's that's a testament then. You know, I, I like not to notice that the artists have changed, so... Yeah, same here. Yeah. When they flip from like a highly realistic style to an incredibly, you know, stylized style or something, even ones, if you space it out well and the story's flowing well enough and I don't open the book thinking, what on earth just happened to the art? I'm happy usually. Yes, exactly. Shall we move on to our other book for the week? Reluctantly. I guess we can't talk about Superior for an hour. So. <laughs> no, we'll talk about what. Uh, from the marketing of the book, uh, our next book is the the bounce number one from Image. The way they marketed this title was to essentially send out like the cover image as the bounce is coming kind of a thing, which I thought was incredibly uninformative. And from the cover image, the way they've kind of pushed the book, I was expecting kind of an acrobatic Ditko esque style character along the lines of Spider Man or Blue Beetle or Speedball or something like that. You know, kinetic, uh, energetic, uh, and literally acrobatic. This issue, I love the way it opened with the the two-page <laughs> kind of title thing or whatever. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then it gets into the story. But this hit, I don't know if it just hit a couple of bad, uh, not bad, but, but uh, wrong buttons for me or what. But the profanity sprinkled throughout in what I assume was an attempt to make it real yeah. failed flat. And let's open with bong hits, I guess, was another good choice to show yeah. how laid back he is. Laid back, that, what a, yeah. a slacker, a loser, whatever. A lot happened in this issue, or a lot seemed to happen in this issue, I think I want to go with. That keyword being seemed. As maybe is appropriate for a title called The Bounce, things jumped around a lot in terms <laughs> of the plot and the story and the narrative. Yes. And uh, much like you had talked about last week with Dream Thief, where you didn't quite get that concept and it, the thing didn't quite come together for you, I, I felt that way with this. Thank God, because I was, I, was, I was scared to say that again. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, man, they're going to think I'm dumb, because I'm just not picking this up, you know? I was wondering when I was done if, if maybe it was just too late in the evening when I was reading it. I, I didn't dislike this. I read it twice. Did it read any better the second time? No, not really. All Still right. the same jumping around, a lot of stuff thrown at you. Um, you know, some of it was interesting to look at and in kind of intriguing in a small way, but, you know, they did that thing 
like Age of the way Age of Ultron started, where they just throw you in the middle of something without giving you any kind of backstory or here's what we're you know I, I don't want to have to write anything, so I'm just going to throw this in there and and you'll get dribs and drabs as you read the issue to issue to find out exactly what's going on. Um, and I think you mentioned that's kind of a crutch sometimes that mm-hmm. uh, that that they their writers rely on, and I think they've done that here. And uh, you know each each quote unquote superhero supervillain has a the in front of them. You know the crunch, the darling, the fog, the bounce, and yeah, they I don't know. It it wasn't really compelling. It I I didn't care. You know, yeah. I should have cared, and I did not care. Um, I just thought, oh, look, there's a little time portal device or something. Oh, here they're in the, he's in another world or another dimension or something. That's, that's neat. Oh, look, these two superheroes are fighting, and yeah, that's okay. And then it was over, and, and then I think what's really going to become tiresome in issue two or three is the various ways for, for the writer to describe the the sproing or the bounce <laughs> have you noticed those were peppered throughout yeah the, that didn't really bother me i thought only so many ways you can do that i would think and he probably used them all that's true but i thought the way he moved and the the physical language of him if you will worked mm-hmm. um you know he was living kind of a, a super ball or racquetball or whatever kind of a deal the visual aspect of it, particularly the last page, is when he seems to wake up in a completely different world. Yes. And it, it's visually very different. Had me wonder what on earth was going on there at the end. I have no idea. I mean, it was intriguing, but very unclear. And it was a horrible way for me, for my opinion, to, to leave the issue. It was so horrible that, and it so different than everything else you were reading. You know, you get up to the last page or two. And then it just changes and throws this curveball as if to say, okay, now aren't you excited for the next issue? And well, I don't think looks, I am. It looks like he wakes up in a world that's nothing but superheroes or something. Something like that, yes. I mean, who this guy is at the end, I'm not sure. But that was nothing new because I don't know why we've got this military-industrial complex and the grand design or whatever they call it. You know, when we cut to um, the assistant district attorney who's presumably... His his uh, brother, or I don't know what. I mean, there's same last name, whatever. Obviously, there's a relationship there. But there are things that left me puzzled and not... I, again, I didn't completely follow it. I thought the the and story the dr- had holes in it. And the drug dealer was a drug himself? He That's his thing? He converts into a mind-altering drug? That's what it is seemed that, to be. Is that what was going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it, yeah, is he... Is he an important part of the story, or was he just a conduit to get to the last pages? I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I've got the next two pre-ordered, um, and it's not like I hated this issue or anything. It just left me very puzzled and unclear, more so than I was entertained. But there were aspects. I mean, the art was good in places. There's an aspect of the bounce that just that style of character is appealing to me. I did like that that little bit. The, you could see the movement of the bounce when he tucked into a little ball shape, and mm-hmm. he had the little trails, the visual trails of him flying through. You could you could see the speed of of the bounce, and so I mean that was nice, but not enough to overcome some of the writing shortfalls for me. Yeah. Well, I'm curious where they're going to go with Stargate Command. I mean, the grand design uh, that they've got there. Um, since I've got the next two on order already. I'll give it those two to see if it clicks uh, with me or not. But at this point, I really don't think I'm going to pre-order any of the others until I, I read some more and find out what's going on. Yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm out, jumping jumping off. Um, and it was a it was a two. I I would agree with that. Not even a high two for me. No, solid two. What what surprises me is the first issue has already sold out through uh, through Diamond, yeah. I believe. Second printing already. That's going to be in stores on June 26th. So I might be eBaying my first issue. <laughs> Make some money on it if you can. Jeez. I, I went in hoping for something better than I got. I was I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I mean, because Image has been doing some interesting stuff. So, but you can't you can't hit bat a thousand. So true. Yeah. True. So what else did you read this week? Oh, Daredevil 26. Great did, stuff. Wasn't did it? you read that? 
Yeah. Oh man, this is this is uh this is my pick for book of the year right now. This would really? be num- this would be number one for me for the best book of the year so far that I've read. Now, now take some notes because uh, uh, at the end of the year, usually yearly comic spotlight and stuff. And <laughs> I will have forgotten that you said this by then, but somebody <laughs> should hold you to that. Uh, I mean, it was the the first part. The first story was was really good, well done. You know, it kind of brought that story arc to a head, and and you know you. He, he kind of was able to redeem himself, solve the mystery a little, um, and you know there was still a little cliffhanger there, and it was just really great. Yeah, really great. Just that part alone, just the actual Daredevil story alone, and then the foggy backup story was just wonderful. I mean, mm-hmm. it was heartwarming and touching, and um, uh, if you know, a fly in the wall, I may have teared up a little bit at some point. It was just so well done and so. Um, just heartwarming. It was just a really great backup story, and um, it was kind of uh, reminiscent of the 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 Hawkeye uh, Hurricane Sandy issue. You know, you kind of got that sense, that emotional resonance. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just thought the two of those together to have the superhero story um, along with this this foggy solo at the end was was just great. And the, you know, of course the the message may have been a little heavy-handed for some, but I liked it. I I enjoyed it. I was there for the whole for the ride, and I thought it was um, just a really great job by Mark Wade. And yeah, I'd gotten a little stale on Daredevil. I was just reading them and reading them, and I'm like, "Yep, this is a good quality title. This is a good good quality book, but nothing special, you know." And then this issue 26 just blew me away and said this is why i love daredevil this is why i love mark wade because of this issue here and and issues like this well i thought 25 was like that too but it, you're right it was one of those where it had been a really good title but then it just like kicked up a notch um and wade is is doing some amazing stuff here and it's fun to see marvel having a couple of titles that are just firing on all cylinders in and, and you know really working for me and i think a lot of other people too like yourself with you know what's going on with slot on on superior spider-man wade on daredevil and stuff um they're, they're really doing some great stuff yeah this 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 would have been a five out of five of course for me this yeah was, i could definitely see that wonderful book um let's see what else uh talonate did you read talonate i read talonate i've read most but not all of my stuff this week i've got about another uh Eight or nine books I, I got to read, but I had read Talon, yeah. Now, this was the first issue without Scott Snyder. So, well, James Tinian takes over the reins full-time. And um, I, I went in with low expectations. I didn't, I just, I just assumed that I'm going to jump off. Mm-hmm. I, I assume it's going to fall off. But there was a lot of really good stuff in this issue. Um, a lot of interesting things happening. Um, that I'm, I want to stick around for and find out what happens. Cool, that's good to hear. Uh, I don't know if um, well, what you thought of that issue. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I've been liking the title and stuff. Um, it's about to cross over with the uh, the Birds of Prey and stuff. I think that'll be interesting. Um, this was one that when they first came out with the concept of oh we're gonna do a talent series, I was I was skeptical. Um, but they've been doing good stuff, and I agree that uh the writing quality maintained. Uh. It's not Scott Snyder, but it's not like it plummeted either. You know. It, yeah, it, it wasn't it, wasn't a drop off. Yeah, it felt like it was just a continuation. You know, in terms of the the story kept going. It's not like oh now let's go for a radical left turn, a one eighty, and it's all brand new and all different. It's like no, I mean it was working. Keep going. Um, another couple were um, Dark Horse's uh, Massive Twelve and Mind Management Eleven came out. I don't get either of those. Um, and the month before they had reissued. Both number one issues of those two titles as for a dollar, mm-hmm. and uh, I picked those up, and was I just I, I, they were grabbed me right away. Uh, so I've been on a mad dash to catch up with those titles, uh, and I am on seven or eight on Massive, almost caught up there. A mind management, I'm a little a little further behind, but uh, Massive is this just great eco environmental storyline. Um, climate change has caused flooding uh, throughout the world. I got the, the, the world first and... issue of that when it came out. Yeah, it just it yeah. didn't. It wasn't bad. It just didn't hook me. Oh, really, man? I thought, yeah, I really dug it. 
and it it um it hooked me. So I've been uh, trying to catch up on that, and uh, cool. I saw the, these the latest two. I'm, I'm picking up the new ones, even though I'm not all the way caught up yet. So that I so that when I do get caught up, I won't have to scramble anymore. That makes sense. Find those. Um, and I did. Um, I read uh, Batman 19 and 20 just to catch up. The the little uh, Clayface mm-hmm. story arc that was pretty good. Um, you could kind of tell that it was. I felt it was kind of a filler. Not Scott's best, but you know he deserves a break, I guess. Uh, I would agree it wasn't his best. I wouldn't say it was a filler either. Um, to me, a filler was like uh, the Batman Incorporated Eleven this week. Yeah, not even Grant Morrison was writing that one, right? Yeah, well, it was a decent standalone fill-in issue with the Batman of Japan and his sidekick or whatever, completely disconnected from anything we ever have seen and possibly ever will see. Um, so, I mean, to me, when I think filler, that's what I think. Yeah. But I do think there are other times where, you know, creators doing good, but not their best work. And I think I'm just I'm just so used to these last couple of high-intensity Scott Snyder story arcs in Batman that this was jarring to, to put the brakes on and let's just tell a, let's tell a simple two-issue two story um, before we kick into year zero. Yeah, well, the bar had been set kind of high by by the run lately, so I can see I can see that definitely. I mean, I have nothing against one and done stories, but I just I, I hadn't been used to those from from Scott Snyder. So yeah, it was just yeah. I guess you know he just wanted to tell a little story, and he did, and it was okay. Cool. Anything else, or those most of those that you read? Yeah, that's most of uh, most of what was going on this week. Got a couple I want to run through. Uh, Accelerators number one. Oh yeah. Was- Interesting. I thought it was all setup, but not all of the setup, if you know what I mean. And for a six-issue miniseries, I was hoping to get a little bit better lock on some of the stuff in the first issue. Yeah, I haven't read that one yet. I'm a sucker for time travel, so I'll keep going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, are you reading Batman uh, Beyond Unlimited? No. I'm liking it, but it's it's an anthology title. They're collecting digital stuff, and I'm at the point where I'd rather get longer installments of fewer stories per issue than just a smattering of a couple of short chapters of, like, four or five different storylines. They're good storylines, and I'm liking them, but I'd rather not have that many kind of in flight at one time, if you will. Um, so it's it's interesting. Um, Are you read, you're, you're reading that digitally, or you're waiting for the, the print? I'm waiting for the print. That was number 16 I got. I, I like the dead paper. I've got too much of it to, to go full digital. I don't want to pay for digital, I guess, as part of it. I'm cheap. Yeah. Or I want something tangible for my money, I should say. I spend a lot on comics. I think saying I'm cheap is uh is is inaccurate. Well when uh Comicsology gave away the had uh, the Marvel promotion where they were giving away all the number ones and the, the server crashed mm-hmm. and all of a sudden no one could read any of the stuff that they had bought, purchased yeah. that was theirs, that they that was part of their quote unquote digital collections. Um that was kind of an uh, that should have been a wake up call for folks that Maybe it's more of a maybe it's more of a Netflix type business model for a, for Comicsology that's out there. You don't really those aren't really yours. They're, you're just kind of renting them. And if well, the I mean, service the, goes away, you you lose that. Well, and speaking of services go away, you go further back to comics on the web that com, uh, that uh, uh, CrossGen had done. And when CrossGen went under and it went under, they went away. That's just gone. And at one point they had a, I forget how much it was, hundred bucks or whatever, for a lifetime subscription. Everything they would ever do. And I don't know how many they ever actually got up there and how the math worked out or whatever. But yeah, like you said, when the, the, if the service goes down or stops, that's it. Now, speaking of, of digital stuff, one of the things I got this week and have not read but want to mention is uh, Gold Digger number 200. Now, part of why I got it is they had uh, marketed it as such, and sure enough, was true to form. In the issue, it's got a uh, URL to the previous 199 issues in PDF format. Huh. So the other night, I was going on their website downloading all of those. I have no idea when I'll ever read them. But uh, to me, that's that's kind of cool. One, that an independent comic, you know, from, from Antarctic Press or whatever, small press, you know, has gotten up to issue 200. And two, they've got enough faith in the material. It's like, hey... You get number two hundred. We'll give you links to the other one hundred ninety nine. Um, I'm not sure what Gold Digger is. Can you tell me? It is a anthropomorphic uh, series. It's from Antarctic Press. A lot of their stuff has a heavy manga influence. Okay. So it's essentially, I believe, uh, kind of like a Tomb Raider uh, archaeologist kind of a thing, 
but with like you know feline type creatures, some human creature people and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Uh, again, I haven't read 200 or the other 199. Um, I had been aware of that title over the years. Um, I've read other stuff from that company. Um, and again, they're they're heavily manga influenced. Uh, and I mean that both in a good and a bad way. I mean, in, I don't not really a bad way. I mean, they're an American manga kind of a publisher, or at least with this property. Not all, not all their properties. They've done a few other things like uh, Metadocs and stuff like that that I really enjoyed. Um, you could probably find a better description of it on uh, Wikipedia. But for me, you get the one issue and get the PDFs for the other. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bite. It's not a lot of publishers that do buy one, get 199 free. So I, I would... would be hard-pressed to name any others, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would jump on that. That's a good deal. Deep Sea One-Shot. Did you pick that one up? No. It was a surprising amount of setup and a very little payoff that is kind of a... It read like a pilot season in all the bad ways. Mm. Let's set it up, let's get you intrigued, and we could have further adventures. But this was a one-shot. And I'm like, what? Come on, guys. That that that, that drove me a little nuts. Uh, we finally get Clara and stuff in the Doctor Who series with number nine here. Uh, big Doctor Who fan, so it's it's good stuff. Got the final issue of uh, Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man, which sort of continues, or his character arc goes into uh, Justice League as of, I think, issue 19, uh, which is a month or so back. Also got the final issue of uh, Savage Hawkman, which was number 20. That, of course, continues uh, in Justice League of America. And both of these are ending with a, you know, and here's the team he's going to go join. So no, I mean, they're that's at least... their outro. Yeah, their 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 exit plan, exit strategy, whatever. Um, we finally got the uh the end of the uh wrath of the the first lantern arc in Green Lantern twenty, which felt a little odd given that I thought I'd already read epilogue type stuff and like guess it was Green Lantern Corps number twenty last week or something. Um, it was good. It was a a decent end to what Jeff Johns has done. Real curious how the the next creative teams on those books are going to click with people. What else? Uh, Legend of Oz Scarecrow from uh, Big Dog uh, Inc. I, I've been getting the Legend of Oz stuff, so if you don't get that, what the heck, I'm curious about the Scarecrow. I like that a lot more than I expected. It was a really well done issue, and it's a mute character, so a lot of what she was trying to convey had to be done through the art versus the dialogue, hmm. and they carried it off. So I was, I was real pleased with that. So, and like I said, I've still got uh, probably eight or nine uh, comics to read. Uh, I apparently do more reading on Monday and Tuesday nights than I realized, and with this Monday having been part of a three-day weekend and I had other stuff on Tuesday, I was realizing I didn't have quite enough time to read everything this week yet. Well, you only had 48 to get through. Yeah, somewhere in there. <laughs> it was a decent-sized week, but uh, it's it's fun stuff. I'm liking it, uh, all the stuff I'm reading, so can't complain. Also picked up the Wake this week. I know it's uh, not till it's um, just went to the comic shop to pick that one up, and I'm looking forward to reading. I haven't read it yet. I just flipped through, and so that should be a, that should be an interesting read. I'm sure you're getting that. Uh, no, actually, I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, just, I get a lot I'll talk of stuff. about that next week then. I get a lot of stuff. I don't get everything. Got to so, draw the line somewhere, man. Uh huh. <laughs> I, I have to. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. Anything else? Or is that pretty much it? That will do it. 